It is Friday the 1st of November and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, Finland's concern over Russians buying land close to military bases. Anybody who is not an EU or EEA resident will need approval from the Finnish Minister of Defence to buy such properties or buy any properties in Finland. Also ahead, our contributing editor Andrew Müller guides us through some of the things we've learned from the world news headlines this week. And Monocle's senior editor Robert Bound asks what entertainers are are worth compared to journalists. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Foreign residents will need to obtain permission to buy real estate in Finland from the beginning of next year. Finnish officials say the new legislation has been put in place to protect national security. Elizabeth Braw leads the modern deterrence programme at the Royal United Services Institute in London. Elizabeth, what has happened? So Finland has had a challenge, let's say, for a number of years with Russian citizens buying properties in in, uh, strategic locations, and I don't mean sunny, beautiful locations, I mean locations near properties owned by the or used by the Finnish armed forces. And for a number of years, the Finnish government didn't really do anything about it or it didn't really know what to do about it because it, it would seem a bit alarmist to say, oh, no Russians can buy properties near where the Finnish military meets or exercises. But now that concern has clearly led to action. And so what will happen is that anybody who is not an EU or EEA resident will need approval from the Finnish Minister of Defence to buy these such properties or buy any properties in Finland. So this is all about Russia? Well... If you ask the Finnish government, they would say, no, it's it's just about anybody who is not an EU citizen. But clearly, the government of Finland doesn't have a problem with Canada or, or Norway. Well, I shouldn't say Norway because Norway is a member of the EEA, but it's, Finland doesn't have a problem with Canada or the US. It, it really is about Russia. And the numbers have gone up quite dramatically. So when I first started looking at this in, in 2015, one region that I looked at in, in eastern Finland near the border with Russia, there the percentage of properties bought by Russian citizens had increased from 46% in 2004 to 89% in 2015, which is really quite significant. If the Kremlin is involved in these purchases, what would Russia's master plan be? So uh, the Finnish Defence Forces, which are a a very large organisation if you count the reserves, uh, so the people who are called up in in case of a crisis, they will have to gather somewhere. They they obviously practice somewhere, they have shooting ranges and so forth, they practice regularly. And in case of a crisis, they would all gather. That would be a great number of people. And so such properties, and many of them are located near military installations, in such properties you can keep track of what the Finnish Defence Forces are doing, even before Finland says, anything about, for example, mobilizing in response to threats. They are very good as observation posts. And then the properties on islands, I I think if one were to think of scenarios there, let's say you're a Russian citizen um, having bought a property on a strategic Finnish island, which is uh, the case, by the way, then if the Finnish uh, government told you to leave, you could call on, on the Russian government to defend you. And all of a sudden, that would be a diplomatic incident. Elizabeth Bro, thank you very much. Now for our new regular spot. Each Friday we'll be looking back at some of the things we've learned from the world's headlines over the past seven days. Here is Monocle's Andrew Muller.
We learned this week that the United Kingdom's efforts to leave the European Union will extend into a fifth year. If one pursues the analogy of a divorcing couple, popular among commentators attempting to make sense of proceedings, the EU, having kept the family home and adjusted to the household's new dynamics, has grudgingly agreed to lengthen the UK's lease on the shed for another three months, with the suggestion that it is high time that the errant partner pulled itself together. This monologue will, at this point, rise heroically above suggesting that British Prime Minister Boris Johnson may be familiar with the feeling. Sovereignty is people's ability, the ability of the public to control their lives and to make sure that the people they elect are able to pass the laws that matter to them. And the trouble is with Europe that that is being very greatly eroded and you're seeing it more and more over uh, employment, over border controls, over human rights, over all sorts uh, of stuff. We learned that instead the UK intends to spend much of the build-up to Christmas conducting a general election, which will at least have the advantage of getting two doses of insincere hawking and rancorous bickering out of the way at once. Monocle contributor Joy Ladico is among the many journalists looking forward to taking notes while wearing mittens. People will say, oh, look, the re referendum, 17.4 million votes for Brexit. That's why we are in the position we are at the moment. We've got a government who keeps saying the will of the people. For Boris Johnson to win this election and get a majority, he needs about 10.4 million votes. So that's, in fact, far fewer votes. Because this is geographical rather than a sum total, he needs them in the right places. We learned, or really had reiterated, that there is no triumph which US President Donald Trump cannot bespoil by tripping over his own shoelaces on the victory lap. At the weekend, Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was killed in a raid on a compound in Syria by US Special Forces. All that remained was for the president to read a solemn statement, ask God to bless America, and await the extension of due credit from even his fiercest critics. Instead, Trump decided to say words. A reminder that this is the actual president of the United States, not a nine-year-old describing a Steven Seagal film. Last night was a great night for the United States and for the world. A brutal killer one who has caused so much hardship and death, has violently been eliminated. He will never again harm another innocent man, woman, or child. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. The world is now a much safer place. God bless America. We learned that the adage about the definition of insanity being doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results appears not to have caught on in Argentina. In a presidential election, voters unloaded incumbent Maurizio Macri, on whose watch the economy had tanked, and installed Alberto Fernandez and his well-known running mate Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, on whose watch as president the economy had tanked. This was Monocle's Declan McGarvey in Buenos Aires.
late on Sunday night in the wake of this election victory, the central bank tightened currency controls, um, limiting the amount of foreign currency that Argentinians are able to buy on foreign exchange markets ahead of uh, the markets opening this morning. The peso currency has already lost almost 50% of its value against the US dollar this year alone as a result of those fears of a return to power of Cristina Kirchner. We learned, or at least very much got the idea, that President-elect Fernandes will not be receiving a Christmas card from his Brazilian counterpart. Jair Bolsonaro did not offer so much as a pro forma congratulation. President Bolsonaro did, however, find the time, amid a visit to Saudi Arabia, to yell into his laptop at his bemused people back home. Agradeço a Deus pela minha vida, grande parte da população por ter acreditado em mim e eu tenho um compromisso, tirar o Brasil do buraco. Apesar da imprensa porca, nojenta, canalha e imoral, como é esse tema Globo de rádio e televisão. Boa noite a todos, desculpem. We searched Monocle's editorial floor for a Portuguese speaker capable of properly relaying Bolsonaro's seething rage. Here's Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I thank God for my life and Brazilians for believing in me. I have the compromise to take Brazil out of the hole, in spite of the putrid, scoundrel, disgusting and immoral press like Global TV. Good night and sorry, I confess. I am a bit exasperated. We learned that Russia has learned an arguably limited amount about the wisdom of allowing its allies to have a go on its surface-to-air missiles, deploying its S-400 system in Serbia during a joint exercise between the two countries. The exercise is known as Slavic Shield, which sounds like one of those pop acts with a faintly unsavoury nationalist undertow which occasionally gets smuggled into Eurovision. And perhaps next May might well be it won't be worse than what Serbia submitted last year. This was Monocle 24's Balkans correspondent Guy Delaunay. Russia and Serbia have done numerous military exercises together over the years, sometimes uh, in Serbia, sometimes in Russia, somewhere, sometimes in, in other places too. Um, and they do tend to come up, come up with these snappy names which, which do tap in uh, to the mythology of, uh, of this Slavic Orthodox Brotherhood. I think, you know, you could probably get a random name generator for these sort of events. We learnt that tracking eagles in the name of scientific research can get surprisingly expensive if you haven't bought the proper data package. A Russian programme tracking the migrations of the steppe eagle ran out of money when the birds, fitted with transmitters which relayed their location via text message, ran up roaming charges over flying Pakistan and Iran. And sticking with wildlife news, we learned that goats are surprisingly effective firefighters. One of the wildfires presently incinerating swaths of California appeared poised to threaten the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, repository of treasures including the Boeing 707, which flew as Reagan's Air Force One. The library may, it turns out, have been spared by the decision of its custodians earlier this year to hire a phalanx of bearded ruminants to eat the flammable scrub around the building. We also learned that this is a thing you can do in California at a cost of around $1,000 an acre. And with that final graze among the smouldering mulch of this week's news, for Monocle 24... I'm Andrew Muller. And finally, Monocle's senior editor Robert Bound looks at the debate over broadcaster salaries in Britain. 
What are entertainers worth compared to journalists? Surprisingly, only £10,400 an hour on aggregate, if one side of a landmark British equal pay case is to be believed. Samira Ahmed is a journalist who's presented widely across the BBC on TV and radio and is currently in the news herself as she takes the corporation to court claiming almost £700,000 in underpayment for her work on Newswatch. Serious programming, according to the BBC, which deals with audience complaints about news coverage. Her lawyers argue that the programme is similar enough to Points of View, a cosier audience feedback show formerly presented by Jeremy Vine. Ahmed was paid £400 per programme, Vine £3,000. Both shows are less than 15 minutes long. The BBC have said that the two programmes vary enough in their style, content, viewing figures and the channels on which they air for the comparison to be unrealistic. And the BBC are right. Ahmed has mostly stuck to news, while Vine presents a hugely popular midday music and chat show on BBC Radio 2, which Ahmed said had been gifted to him, and a chatty TV show on the commercial Channel 5. Vine, annoying as some may find him, is a talented journalist who successfully swung to entertainment for a tidy sum. Miss Ahmed may be expecting the force ale gate of the much-reported gender pay gap to put wind in the sails of her case, but the tribunal would be wise to resist this weather. Most likely, Ahmed and Vine were paid what they were worth in a media marketplace in which news is simply worth less than entertainment. Bandwagon jumpers that would like to make the case about gender or even ethnicity need better judgment. Ahmed needs a better agent. The rest of us, we're all searching for that job that only lasts 15 minutes. Not that one. Monocle's Robert Bound there. That's all in today's programme. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I am Marcus Hippi. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday. Have a good weekend.